everyone, and welcome to The Merative with me, Nick Dale. On today's episode, we have another agency chat, this time with the amazing Bonnie and Betty. As you know, they are one of the top London agencies for young talent. We had a super interesting chat, and I'm sure you will find it very useful. Here we go. Okay, well, thanks for coming on today. Um, Let's start with a quick introduction. Sure. So I am Bonnie from Bonnie and Betty Agency, um, founder, owner, managing director. <laughs> oh, you're the big cheese. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Something like that. <laughs> so let's uh, start simple. How did you guys? Um, how did you guys get started, and how long you've been you've been going? So I set up the agency just over eleven years ago. Um, my background had been um, I'd worked at various other agencies, pretty much. Um, since leaving school it was always something that I wanted to do I actually got into it by doing my work experience when I was like 15 um, at a child agency really enjoyed it um, even though it was only two weeks I just loved the whole process so I um, basically when I was um, I stayed on at school was doing sixth form didn't enjoy it at all and wrote to the agency and it just so happened that they had somebody that had just left and the availability come up so I literally started there, I think it was like three days later, um, and then just went from there really, and um, just went to a couple of other agencies, and then from there just decided, do you know what, I think I can do it better, um, or I can do something a little bit different here that's kind of not been done before, or, or hadn't been done at that stage. So took took the leap and set up all of my own just over 11 years ago. That's amazing. What a great story. Yeah. That's fantastic. <laughs> it's, a, it's a real story of entrepreneurship. I like it. It's great. <laughs> something like that. Yeah, so <laughs> I did the same thing, jumping out of it, jumping out of work, and sort of going out on my own. It's a, it's a scary feeling, but it it's is scary. Yeah, so rewarding if you scary. get it, when you get there. If you fight through it and get there, it's great, isn't it? Exactly. It really is cool. Um, I want to go. I will delve into sort of you know what makes Bonnie and Betty uh, special because I think you guys mm-hmm. are quite definitely seen as a, a special agent to be with. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm starting off as a kind of a basic question as um for for new parents. So. Are you guys a sole or a non-sole agency? And why did you choose to go down the route you chose to go down? So we are sole. Um, I think we, going back, I think we were non-sole for about the first, literally maybe possibly like the first six months um, while we were trying to kind of um, get the ball rolling, really. Um, but pretty much since from probably six months in, we've, we've always been sole. Um, for us, to be honest, it's a bit of a no-brainer. Um, the kind of feedback that we've had from um, from clients all around, um, it's, just, it's a million times easier to yeah. work when you're a sole rep. There's, I mean, there's so many reasons why non-sole agencies, it's, it just gets very, very difficult logistically, to be quite honest. Yeah. Um, I can understand why a lot of agencies do it, and it is one of the reasons we did it when we first started, to kind of get those models on board. Mm-hmm. Um, but going forward, I think... I don't really feel like an agency kind of um, can sustain long enough if they do remain non-sole, to be quite honest. It's just, it's, just, it's just so difficult. I mean, it just gets so complicated with availability and with conflicts and things like that as well um, that it just starts to make our job impossible, in all honesty. Um, yes, it's really easy with the sole and non-sole thing because I didn't, I didn't really understand it myself when I first started out. Um... Mm-hmm. obviously in adult in the adult world where i come from soul is kind of it you know there, there is no such thing as yeah. a non-soul really um no exactly and i was kind of confused by the whole non-soul thing and i i, I kind of get why like you say i kind of get why they exist but having spoken to a few agents now 
I really understand that it's not about you just wanting exclusivity over the children. It's a real logistical no, thing. No, no. It's, it's actually just down to pure logistics. It is, yeah, definitely. I mean, to be honest, I think it works if, um, let's say, for instance, if you've got a very specific agency. So if you're uh, more of a, say, let's say, an editorial agency and you allow your children to be with a separate acting agency, mm-hmm. um, then that's something that could work. So if there's no way there's ever going to be any sort of conflict, and sometimes agents can work alongside each other. Right. Um, it is a case of them having to speak to each other as well as to, say, the parent because they need to check on, obviously, availability between them and things like that as well. Yeah. Um, so things like that are possible. Um, but for us, because we do both sides of the industry, so we've got the acting division um, and then the modelling and commercial division, it just doesn't, it just doesn't work for us. So you, you guys handle stills and acting? When did you start doing the acting stuff? Has it always been part of your remit? It's always, yeah. I'd always, um, I've always done a whole, a whole mixture. So that was always my background anyway. Um, I kind of was a stage school kid myself. So always had that kind of um, sort of acting and performing arts background as yeah. well. So it, it, it was always something we did from the beginning. Um, but it's just grown really, I think. Um, and it's quite nice because obviously whereas um, photographic work can often be quite seasonal, mm-hmm. with what we do is pretty much a constant flow. Um, so, for instance, at the moment, obviously, photographic work is pretty much just not happening at all, no. um, unless you just happen to have photographer parents that are shooting their own children. That, that's great. Um, but otherwise, that's really not happening. But um, what is still continuing to happen is, casting for commercials and for acting so all of the castings are happening obviously free at self-tape um or online with the casting directors um, like on zoom or on skype so that's still going so that still kept us really busy mm-hmm. so you might have spotted there's a lot of commercials that are being done at the moment that are being shot like montages um where they've got like home videos yeah and so i know tesco's have done one where it looks like different members of the family are all um, cooking the same meal at home and they're like videoing themselves doing it. Mm-hmm. So all of those sort of adverts, they're obviously still being cast pretty much all in the same way, to be quite honest. Um, but then obviously they're getting them to shoot it themselves. Yeah. Um, and then with the acting side of things, um, there's quite a lot actually still going on, but there's the things that are going to be shooting maybe early next year. But the casting directors are finding themselves in a position that they never find themselves in, which is they've actually got time um, to do considerate casting on jobs and to actually, you know, spend time looking at the self-tapes, um, which is which is really, really handy for us, really, in a way, because it's meant that where we would sometimes obviously submit for a job and the casting director often just finds it very difficult to sit through the self-tapes, um, they're actually having the time to do come back with feedback. So say, for instance, somebody's taped, but there's something they don't like about it, they can get them to redo it other than just to ignore it because they've got that time there. Yeah. So it's it's been helpful in on that side of things, to be honest. That's brilliant. I mean, I agree. There's been a lot of um, negative talk about the lockdown, but there's a lot of positives that have come out of it for the industry. Yeah, definitely. In um, time owed because we we work so fast, and it's the same with you guys. You get so many applications. We do. Yeah, <laughs> we get after a lot. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, we're going to move on to that in a minute. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a lot of people want to hear about that, but um, you must get. You know, it's it's impossible to look through. Yeah, ten thousand submissions with the best will in the world. There's not enough time in the day or the week. Um, no, exactly. So this it's is kind of a gift in some ways because people have got time to actually get noticed, which is quite good. You know, they yeah, make they make a few diamonds in the rough. 
yeah this is the thing and we've we've had a chance to do things that we never normally get a chance to do i mean just before we close for christmas it's normally to be honest usually the only time that we actually get to do just like audits as such um like going through and updating bits and bobs that don't necessarily need to be updated the things that we like to do as such Mm -hmm. um and normally as i say that is the only only time that we ever have the time to actually do it so just things just things like that and just making sure that we're all kept in order um, are really beneficial but as i say we just normally don't get the chance to do it so for those sorts of things when when the industry does get back up and running again you know it will it will help us in the long run it's just you know for now it's not not nice Mm. for everybody no i'm the same i I think i finally caught up my editing for the first time ever yeah i mean it may only be up to date for like a week exactly (laughs) once we get back but (laughs) but it's been there yeah so i'm interested to hear about your clients and sort of uh you're you're very well established obviously and you know you're, you're quite high end i mean who are your clients that you're regularly working for now who are the ones you are um, dealing oh, with day to day it's it's really varied obviously mm. going back to the fact that obviously we deal with with the whole the industry as a whole and we we kind of have so many subdivisions if you like um it really really kind of kicks on our toes so obviously photographic and modeling wise um i mean we deal with the majority of clients that we've kind of set out to to deal with to be honest um so kind of all the the main high street brands if you like um just obviously there's, there's brands that are coming out every single day yeah um which is which is really really nice because i think it's it's an ever-evolving industry and you you will never get bored of it because it's always growing and it's always changing um so for us it's something that that just keeps us on our toes constantly um and just exploring new brands particularly and like boutique brands is always fun um but obviously client base wise we have we just have a whole variety of clients that kind of we work with on pretty much a weekly basis obviously some clients shoot a lot more than others mm-hmm. um and also obviously some clients don't necessarily come to us direct so you obviously get clients that, that do come direct. Um, say, for instance, Next might come direct, but then another company, let's say Marks and Spencers, they may not actually have someone in-house that actually deals with it. So they may employ, obviously, a studio or a photographer that will do their casting for them um, or a production company or whoever it may be. And yeah. um, So then it will be, you know, that company rather than, than Marks and Spencers themselves that we'll be dealing with. So... It really varies. Obviously, occasionally, if it's an editorial, it might be even the stylist that's doing the casting on the job or that's assisting with the casting on the job that will contact us for submissions. Yeah. So it's a whole range. And then, obviously, with the kind of commercial side of things, which is, you know, like TV commercials, online commercials, you know, corporate videos and adverts as a whole, um, obviously, they're normally cast by, like, an ad agency or a production company that will come to us with their brief. So... It's yeah. really varied, um, it's really varied yeah. and then obviously you've got the acting, and then you've with you've got that, and that's a whole whole different ball game. So they're obviously normally cast solely by casting directors. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, lots of different subdivisions that we're broken down by. Yeah, lots of <laughs> and lots of <laughs> lots of good names in there. You know, you're you guys are sort of operating at, um, at like I said earlier, the highest level. I think you're definitely well known for uh, dealing with the bigger brands and the bigger jobs. So. Yeah. yeah, I think, as I say, that's really one of the things that, that I like about my job is, is dealing with a whole range of, of people. Mm. For me personally, if it, if it was if we were just an agency that dealt with, um, let's say, sort of fashion modelling, or if we were just an acting agency, I think 
there's there comes a time when for, for me there's on a daily basis I'm I'm constantly kind of as I say learning something new if it were on the job so there's never a moment when you can kind of sit still um even things like obviously licensing it's obviously the laws and the regulations are changing constantly so it just all keeps you on your toes to be honest. yeah so what would you say um is your usp as an agency what what makes bonnie and betty bonnie and betty why why, why are I you think, guys you yeah i think two things really i think that most of our parents will comment on um i think the first thing is the fact that we are so varied and that's why um we tend to find that a lot of people come to us uh, maybe who have had another agency before um, but have felt like say for instance it might be a model that have felt like they don't really get put forward for that many commercials um, and likewise it could be someone that's come from perhaps an acting agency that wants to do a bit more modeling and that agency doesn't do that so I think the fact that we do both sides of the industry and they're both on par with each other because obviously what you'll normally find is an agency will say, okay, yeah, we do do, we are a photographic modelling agency. We do do some commercials, but not many. And then obviously you get the other way around. But for us, you don't really get that many agencies that do actually specialise in both and concentrate on both to the level that we do. So I think that's something that's definitely commented on. And I think the other thing that we, we get on a daily basis um, is kind of our contact um, with the children and with the parents. So we're kind of always referred to as being being this family as it were it's a word that a lot of our parents use um and it's just because from the beginning it was something that was always paramount to me um working in and, and seeing the setup of sometimes much larger agencies that kind of lose sight um for me it was all about making sure that we knew all of our children no matter how many there were that we knew them all um so we we've done that in a gradual process so we've grown and grown in a gradual process but we know all of our children on a personal level we know all of our parents um they all kind of know each other and talk amongst themselves and things like that um and we're constantly keeping in contact i mean over the last few weeks something that i've had so many messages on um particularly through like instagram and things like that are parents that aren't with us that have said you know we've heard from you 10 times more than we've heard from our own agency because it just seems like everybody stopped um and that that has happened but obviously for us it's all about right okay so what can we do now um to make sure that our parents don't think that even though it's quiet that we're not actually doing anything um so i think we're quite proactive um in that way and we'll always be trying to kind of think ahead and think think what we can do whilst we're quiet so we won't ever kind of just be sitting there and letting the work come into us um so i'm constantly keeping in touch at the moment with the clients letting them know kind of what's going on we've we've set up so that every single child now has got like a they've done a home video so that the clients can actually see a little bit more of them rather than just seeing a few stills um so just just things that are constantly making sure that the parents know what's going on we're very very proactive on our social media um again so that just so that people know what's going on because i i know um myself that obviously as a parent if you're let's say for instance if you don't hear from your agency for four weeks as far as you're concerned nothing's nothing's happening obviously you have no idea what's going on in the background nobody really knows obviously how much work is involved behind the scenes so for a parent to kind of not hear anything it can be really disheartening so we just like to make sure that they're kept up to date so even if it's just kind of seeing who else is working and who else is going out to castings and or just what's going on in general it kind of means that they know okay yeah they are you know they are being as proactive as they possibly can and it isn't just that they're just sitting there and not doing anything yeah and hopefully my turn will come so 
it's something for us that just kind of keeps keeps everybody talking and keeps everybody together if you like oh that's lovely that's a really nice attitude i mean it's it's it, for me who um, i work with quite a few of the agencies and it's it's so nice to have someone who cares about the kids coming through the door because obviously for them it's it's a big experience in their lives um and i think it can be a bit intimidating so it's quite nice to have that that support um, yeah definitely i mean someone that's it. never done it before it nobody knows what to expect and again for, for new parents we try and uh, we have this whole info pack that we mm. that we have i think it's literally about 12 pages long <laughs> um, that we send to them because we know full well that obviously when you're coming into the industry for the first time you you have no expectations you don't know what's going to happen even so much as going to your first casting is a very scary thing mm. so if we can help by kind of eliminating any of that sort of fear around it by saying okay this is what's going to happen and we'll always you know give our parents so when they go to castings we have like a casting info sheet that we send them that literally has about 15 bullet points of, of roughly what's going to happen or what you may or may not be asked to do yeah. so it's just to give them an idea as to what what to expect because it is it is scary and obviously all castings are different but if we can help them by saying you know for instance make sure you've got your measurements to hand because you'll probably be asked to fill that out on a casting sheet mm-hmm. it's not going to throw them off when they get there and then they're going to freak out and then you know it's going to make something else go wrong so it's just trying to alleviate those problems as much as we can that's lovely that's perfect and does that um i'm guessing because you you're so close to your models um how, how do you guys deal with the the um realities of the industry when they you know there's obvious rejection or you know they don't get yeah. the job how do you guys help deal with that process so what I find is kind of making sure that we don't give them any false hopes at the very beginning. So making it really clear of what the process is. So for instance, I don't think anyone should ever make any promises to, to any parent or child because we don't know. Obviously, as much as we would love it, we're not the people that are choosing the children for work. Obviously, our job is to display a portfolio of children that we believe we can get work for. Ultimately, obviously, that's that's down to the client so for me obviously we would never say to a parent or to a child we can guarantee we'll be able to get you work or we sh- you should be able to get this much work um obviously the most asked question i would probably say um, when someone first joins is how long should i wait or what's the normal or what's the average of getting a casting mm. and my reply is always there is no normal within this industry because because there isn't yeah. um we've had children that are literally lucky enough to before they've even gone live on our website um they've, we've had a job come in that we we know that they're suitable for even though they're not live we've submitted them and they've got the job and they haven't even you know gone on the website had their model card created yeah. and then likewise we have other children that have possibly been with us two or three months before getting anything at all um and it is just the way the industry works and there's no rhyme or reason to it so i think making it clear from the offset kind of how it works and what the process is and that it's we're not going to immediately you know you're not going to go live and within a week we're going to find you a job because as I sound fortunately it's not going to be us choosing because if it were obviously we'd just make sure that every model got got a fair amount of equal work course, um, but yeah. unfortunately it doesn't doesn't work that way yeah it's a, it's a sad i think it's a misconception that um some people have that you guys are the ones making the choices and who you're putting yeah. forward it's, it's, it's just not the case is it it's, it's really down to no. client preference and you know it's the sad truth of the job it's a very busy industry as well you know you're not the it only is, ones competing it, for the jobs exactly this is the thing i mean it's so highly populated i mean 
I've been speaking to quite a lot of um, kind of catching up with a lot of our um, modeling clients and our sort of casting director clients and things like that over the last few weeks, just kind of checking in. Um, and obviously a lot of the, a lot of our clients and casting directors have been doing kind of their own um, question and answer sessions and sort of live sessions on Instagram and things like that. And I think one of the things that's been really helpful for parents to hear is just how many submissions that, that any client will get when they're sending out a brief and then how many, how many models they can choose from that. So for instance, they're probably going to maybe five different agencies, let's say when they're um, sending out a casting breakdown. And from that, um, they're probably getting, I mean, depending on what it is they're looking for, if it's a typical, let's say if it's typical modeling brief where they're looking for, let's say 106 to 110 centimeters, even if they get, you know, 10, 15 suggestions from every agency, they're probably gonna need to only see maybe 15 on the day for their casting. So there's a lot of children that aren't going to get selected. So straight away, to even get a casting, we always try and impress on the parent, you know, that's great. And it's not just a case of, oh, well, is there any point in going? Will I get it? Will I not? You know, you've been selected from this many people um, and they, you know, they now want to meet your child in person. So it is a big deal. So even if they don't get any further, for them just to just to have been accepted for that casting, you know, is quite important. And I think that's another thing, going back on your other question earlier about kind of um, letting them down, is explaining to them that even getting a casting is a great thing. And if they don't get the job, do bear in mind that a lot of clients will remember them in the future for other things. Yeah, of course. So it might be that they, they don't match the brief that, on that occasion, but then they're doing another shoot a week later um, and the campaign is slightly differently and it's going to be perfect for them. So, And also with photographers, again, it might be that they can't use them for that particular editorial, but they've got another one coming up that they'll be ideal for. Mm-hmm. So it's just about networking as well, I think, more than anything else and just kind of getting yourself out there. Yeah, that's super, super relevant. I, I say the same thing, you know, it, most of this job is about meeting people and sort of connecting and staying you know in people's minds I mean yeah. I, can, I can mirror your point there you know when I when I cast an editorial I get I mean the last one I I, cast, I put a casting call out for I got 500 people on Instagram mm-hmm. yeah. and it's people don't realize the sheer number of people who do this but like even though you're not cast you know there's definitely um a book of people you keep on your mind thinking oh I could use that person again another time so absolutely yeah. right you know the the fact that you're even in the casting room at all is a massive win and don't yeah, think that just exactly. you don't get it you're not going to go any further with it because it could always lead to something else you know every every door's an opportunity maybe you know that's the way to yeah. look at it that's definitely really, yeah that's a really good point um, yeah so moving on to this it'd be quite a helpful one for parents I think so um what's your application process and you know, do you have a specific? This is a weird question. I get asked this a lot. Yeah. As a, as a photographer, do you have a specific mo- like type you're looking for? A specific age? You know, how how does your casting process work for, you, work? for yourself? Yeah. yeah. So, at the moment, for instance, um, our books are closed pretty much, yeah. pretty often, more more often than not. So we tend to only open our books for each age group once or twice a year. Um, the reason being is we literally get inundated so I think the last we haven't opened the books at all this year mm-hmm. um, apart from I think in January we did a small intake of babies because obviously with babies they don't say babies for long right. um, and before you know it they're you know they're toddlers and, and growing up so obviously when when we're getting briefed in for let's say three to six months we have to make sure that we've, we've constantly got obviously a, a pool of, of three to six months available yeah. so 
sort of naught to six month babies is the only age group that will open slightly more often um, because as I say, they, they just grow very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but with the other age groups, generally we'll only open once a year um, because the process, to be honest, is so, is so long and, it, and it's so hard work for us that we, we literally do not have the time and the capacity to open them up any more than that. I think we've kind of shot ourselves in, in the foot in a way in terms of because we have become so established and we don't open our books that often, when we do, um, we get so many applications that it then becomes this, this massive process of sorting through. So the last time we opened for kind of the widest age, which was like um, I think three to 13 years, uh, we normally only open for like Monday to Friday in one week per year, so like um, five days, and we received the last time over 4,000 wow, applications. Yeah. And a lot of people ask me this question, surely you don't look at them all? Yes, I do, personally. I look mm-hmm. at every single one because there's no other way. I can't not look at look at some and not others because A, that wouldn't be fair, and B, there's, I've got no way of knowing without sifting through each and every one you know, who the applicants are. So yeah. it is a task. It literally probably takes me three weeks every single day from morning till night um, to go through them, but I do it. Um, and it's, it's obviously to find to find those gems, no matter how long it takes. So again, because we have obviously had the different divisions as well, it's very much broken down. So obviously, whereas the modelling agency will kind of have an idea in their mind of, of what they're looking for, um, for us, obviously, we'll be looking at, at different things. So if someone's applying to the acting division, obviously for us, headshots are going to be a factor but obviously we're going to focus a lot more on a cv than we would for a model mm-hmm. um and we're going to want to see experience and you know their skill set so that would be more important than anything so obviously it, it depends massively on what what sort of division they're applying to and what mm-hmm. sort of work they want to do um but basically it's it's just a case of our website has an application form which goes live which they complete that has all their information and their photos on from there we create um an initial shortlist and we ask them to self-tape. Um, for models, that will just be literally in introducing themselves to camera and just chatting so that we can actually see them rather than just obviously seeing images. We're seeing them on camera. Yep. Um, we're seeing like a 360 view of them. Um, we're seeing them on profile and that kind of thing. Um, for actors, a little bit more in-depth, it will be more obviously um, they'll do a piece of acting, so they'll do a monologue and a piece of script. Um, and then for performers, obviously they'll be doing, if they, if they can sing, dance, etc. they'll send in those clips. Um, and then from there, obviously we just go through them all and create another shortlist, which is going to be those that we invite into an assessment, which is where we meet them. Um, and again, that's broken down. So for models, we're just, again, seeing them in person, taking some test shots ourselves, having a chat with them. Um, and then for the actors, again, doing a little bit more. So they're going to be doing some acting on the day. We've got, uh, we do like improvisation with them and some sort of general acting techniques and see how they go. But it's all, it's all very much, again, dependent on the division that we're looking at um, and then dependent on the child because it might be somebody that comes in and they only want to do modelling. Yeah. And actually we, we kind of feel like there's, there's a confidence there that although they haven't done acting before, they might want to give it a go. And sometimes they can turn out to be amazing and they're just what the clients are looking for because for some clients, obviously, they don't want children that have been trained or that have been to stage school. They just want really natural children. Um, so sometimes they can then end up actually getting chosen for, for, let's say, the acting division as well as modelling and then 
succeeding in that more than the other. So it's it's really, really dependent. And that's for us while it's so important to meet the children and not just take them on based on images or videos. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's a good example there for all the listeners of how in-depth and involved um, applying to an agency can be. This is yeah. it's not it's not as simple because <laughs> a lot of I think there's a lot of people who just say, oh they just they're just not answering my emails why aren't they answering yeah. my emails that that's that that's why I mean it's um you know it's incredibly involved and in, and with that many people coming into your into your um initial pool yeah it's quite, it's quite intimidating you know it's it's not an easy thing for you to do to go through that many files and no. <laughs> you know, it's, 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 it's a lot a of work. Yeah, it's a, it's a task. task. It would be it would be much easier if we um like had a had a particular market. So if we were, as I say, um like a more high end modeling agency and we just focused on that, or we were, as I say, just an action agency. But because we've got the, the different divisions, it's just for us all about subdividing them down and then yeah. working working through from there. And would you say that um if you apply one year and you're unsuccessful, try again? Always. Yeah, always, always bear in mind, obviously, because we're we're opening only a, very occasionally, obviously, when we do open and we get so many, the way that we obviously break them down is we'll have a look. So let's say, for instance, um, how many 10-year-old mixed-race boys have we had apply? Mm-hmm. They will go, uh, so let's say they're applying for the modeling division. So they will go into, um, imagine like a, a huge folder, if you like, and then we'll work out from that folder um, okay, well, we've got um, 200 that are all very, very similar that have applied. Obviously, we can't meet with all 200 of them. So we need to kind of select the best ones or the ones that we think will fit from that. Yeah. Um, obviously, the following year when they apply, they're going to be up against different different applicants. So they're going to be kind of up against each other, if you like, in different ways. So I would definitely always say um, always reapply because each time that's going to change who they're up against. And also their children, you know, they're growing all the time. Their looks developing. Um, in the space of a year, a child can grow massively, especially when they're in that, you know, that tween to teen stage. Um, you know, they can change beyond recognition sometimes. So it's definitely always worth reapplying. Obviously, if it gets to a stage where you're getting disheartened and the child's getting disheartened, then it might be best to, to kind of step back and reevaluate. But I think all the time that, that they want to do it, then I would definitely say, you know, just keep going. And it's always worth asking for feedback. So don't, you know, don't be afraid to ask for feedback because sometimes it might be that an agency will say, if they if they do have a very specific look in mind, they may say they're not right for us for this reason. Um, but, but don't be afraid to ask. Obviously, if you don't get a response, you don't get a response. But there's definitely no harm in trying and asking agencies what the reason may be to help you out in the future. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think it's very important as well, that, like you say, that um, as long as the kids are enjoying it or they keep want to, they want to keep doing it, then keep yeah. going. You know, you never yeah, know. Yeah, definitely. You don't that's know it. until you, you try. Do, you do. You never know. No, that's right. There's no harm in asking. Mm, absolutely. Um, so coming on to something that's close to me, um, photography. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Now, as a photographer, I probably do myself out of a lot of work by suggesting mm-hmm. this, but um, I always say that when you apply to an agency. You, you really don't need to supply sort of super professional headshots and normal no. snapshots fine, isn't it? Is it? Am I right in saying that for you guys as well? Most definitely, yeah. yeah. I mean, sometimes they can even kind of work to their advantage, if you like, to be honest, because obviously with, with a professional shot, um, sometimes we can be in doubt as to how recent that is because mm-hmm. unless 
you know, your your mum or your dad's a photographer, the chances are, you know, or or it just happens that you've you've been in for photos and headshots done just as our applications um, are going live, the chances are they're going to be a little bit older than what your snapshots would be. So therefore, obviously, we have no way, first of all, of knowing how recent they are. Um, obviously, styles with professional photography differ massively. Mm-hmm. Um, and although some styles are absolutely perfect, you obviously get some styles that, that just aren't suitable. Yeah. So when, when I kind of refer to ones that aren't suitable, for us, it would be anything that's kind of more fine art, Um, anything where they've gone to like um, these kind of makeover studios um, where they've kind of they're very very posed and Mm -hmm. they put makeup on the children style their hair in a certain way Um, because for us obviously when a child's applying we need to see exactly how they're going to turn up if we invite them into a casting so it's absolutely pointless for us to see you know, an image that's a year or two old um, or that they've got their hair into huge spiral ringlets when in fact it's dead straight uh, or they've got heavy makeup on or they're heavily retouched um, or they're just posed in a way that, that just looks awkward and therefore immediately puts us off. So it's just all about, for us, about showing the child as they are, completely natural. And I always, the word that I just always use is just simple as simple as possible so just really nice and clear um i always say to a parent just almost imagine um as much as people hate their own passport photos almost imagine you know a passport image just a head and shoulder shot um for us is obviously what we want to see to start with um and then just some variation so i think on our application form you can attach up to five images so don't don't attach all where they're all doing a very serious face, even if they are a child um, that isn't, you know, overly smiley. At least let us see one um, smiley photo. And for us, obviously, for many, many clients, teeth are important. Mm-hmm. So let us see that. Um, if it's that they haven't got great teeth at the moment because they've, you know, they've got gaps and things like that, that's absolutely fine. It might well be what we're looking for. So. Yeah. Don't don't shy away from from who they are. We we need to see who they are, and a parent doesn't know that that might be exactly what it is that we're looking for. So, just just nice and simple and natural is the key. Yeah, that's a really great point. Um, which I try and get across to parents when they come and visit me because I've, I've shot a few of your kids, and um, yeah, I, I often get don't don't shoot their teeth. Their teeth aren't looking great, and I'm yeah, trying, you know, yeah. you, you kind of have to see what <laughs> the the casting guys want to see what what they want to see. Yeah. So don't be worried about it it's fine trust that we can uh, we can capture their personality and that's kind of what we're here to do this really. is the thing yeah that's what it's all about i mean i um funny story i had a child turn up at one of our own agency update shoots before um and the parent had the, had the, we didn't realize when they first turned up and then basically the little boy's tooth had fallen out i think it was something like four weeks earlier oh, no. and for the shoot <laughs> she had stuck it in because she was so worried about him not getting work with a with a missing tooth and as soon as we realized we was we obviously explained to her there's absolutely no point in doing that because you know he has got a missing tooth we need to see that he's got a missing tooth Um, (laughs) and obviously for most clients it won't make any difference and if a client was really bothered about it they'd just put one in you know they'd retouch it so it really really doesn't matter but that's I think that is how worried that some parents are um, that they think there's this kind of perfect image that they have to create and Mm. it's really not the case at all no and it's good to hear that reassurance from you you as well because I often get messages from parents saying oh they've 
they bump their heads before does it matter they're coming in for your updates tomorrow and they bump their head you know yeah is that gonna be okay and I'm like it, it's fine you know there's certain things that i can do and i'm yeah. doing photoshop <laughs> like removing a scratch yeah, exactly. that's fine and it's not a problem it always happens as well doesn't it it's just the way it is the day yeah. before they're they kids. will always fall over and they'll always bump their heads yeah but yeah it's the same it's the same on anything it happens on castings you know but clients will look past that um because you know it is only a bump to the head it's you know it's not the end of the world so you know don't panic is what i would say and don't as i say trying to create this this image of perfect because it doesn't exist no absolutely right it's why i got out of adult photography yeah because you know you can't you're chasing you're chasing something that doesn't exist and you end up making exactly. cartoon characters um <laughs> kid, kids are perfect as they are Exactly. Um, so right. once they're signed with you, um, do you think this is another one for myself? Do you think professional yeah. headshots make a difference to how you present them to clients? What? What? what so let me clarify. What I'm, what I'm actually getting at is like I'm a big advocate for parents to spend money at the right time in the right way. Yeah. Um, so when I ask this question, I'm I'm kind of looking for. Um, just some advice for parents as to when you think is a good time to do it and sort of how often to get them and to what, what you kind of look for. Because, you know, spending so, money correctly is really important, I think, for parents when they're sort of investing in their career. Yeah, so we actually, we stopped um, using snapshots on our site altogether about, mm. I think it was about four years ago now. Um, and basically the reason we took that decision was um, through um, speaking to quite a lot of our photographer clients. Um, so we do keep in touch with our clients often and we'll, we'll ask them obviously what, you know, what do they want to see and what's mm -hmm. helpful and what's not helpful. Um, because as I say, we're, we're constantly growing and we're constantly learning and we want things to be right. And, you know, you might get a client that, that might find something uh, that a particular agency does very annoying, but just doesn't ever mention it. So mm -hmm. those are things, you know, you want to know. So for us, we'll often kind of um, ask the clients various things. And one of the things at the time that I think, come back um was when uh, when clients are using their own login to look at our website so obviously often they will come to us and they will just ask us to send over suggestions mm -hmm. um, normally by model cards but obviously sometimes they'll just want to browse um the website as a whole or just have a look at new faces and that kind of thing so often clients will come to us and ask for their own login so they can they can look online and one of the things that was coming up quite a lot was the fact that with with snapshots they're so varied mm -hmm. um and also even sometimes with professional shots again going back to what we said before about different types of imagery there's so many different types that to a client when they're casting it can become very difficult to kind of put all the children on a on a level playing field when their imagery is so different yeah so you've obviously got some where they've got headshots um let's say headshots on a white background then you've got others that are going and, and getting these, these heavily retouched, like fine art imagery done. And then you've got others that are um, just getting snapshots done. So it's really, really difficult for a client to kind of put them all together and yeah. make a decision based on those images because they're so different. Mm -hmm. So we made the decision to, uh, as I say, I think it was about four years ago now, to only have certain types of headshots on our website. So yeah. for instance, 
we will try as much as possible to say to the parents, we really want them on a white or light background. Um, We attach, if they're not coming to um, our own update shoots, then we attach like various different examples of the sorts of things that we need. Um, Because obviously another thing is someone can go to a photographer, um, get some shots done that they think are great. They send them into us. And then for whatever reason, we can't use them. Mm -hmm. Um, It might be like I said before, that they've literally done all the same expression. Um, and then we've missed out on that, you know, that great smiley shot that we really need. So for us, we need to cover all bases. So just kind of making sure that we can, we can put them all as level as we possibly can. So that's why we kind of got rid of snapshots. So that's why now we have, we have the setup where, um, obviously they, they either come into our agency updates or they can use any photographer. But if they do, we have like a whole standard email that the parent gets sent. Uh, that explains so they can they can explain if it's a photographer that, that doesn't know our agency sort of what sort of shots that we're after show them examples and that yeah. kind of thing just to hopefully all the shots are in a similar vein so they're mm-hmm. not you know hugely different styles that aren't going to work for the client yeah yeah it's really important i think um you know i've shot a lot of your kids and um i i kind of if i'm doing headshots and updates i personally strip it all back quite simple like you said before and yeah. you know keep it you know, because I know what you need to see, you know, and I guess yeah, a lot it's, of photographers who work for you guys know what you need to see. There's an intention behind the photography, which I think some parents don't quite get. You know, we're kind of, we're shooting no. for a specific thing. Uh, we're not shooting for photos for the wall. <laughs> um, this is the thing. I think a lot of parents um, go to, might go to photographers that they, you know, they really like for themselves, Yeah. which is, which is great. And for themselves, that's absolutely fine. But they also need to... Um, kind of remember or to know what it is that, that we need for our clients and what the clients are looking for mm. because that won't necessarily be be what they want so some headshots for instance um particularly like very simple ones on a white background some parents you know they they don't like those shots so they're not going to put those on their walls and that's absolutely fine yeah. um but for what we need and what our clients need that that is what they need to see so there's no point making it any different you know than what it is um, and again, going back to just keeping it simple, sometimes people will, some, will have parents that will comment like, um, oh, can you make them look like this? Or can you make them look like that? And, you know, that's not the point. No. The point is we need to make them look like themselves. And, and that's it at the end of the day. And we don't want them to be somebody that they're not. It's funny because I, I had a conversation with a couple of my fellow photographers on, a pod, on the podcast a few weeks ago. And we were discussing mm-hmm. this very thing. It's like, if you're coming to us for updates, that's one thing. If you're coming to us for a portrait session, that's completely different. You know, yeah. that's not necessarily going to go to the agency. Um, so no. what are you coming in for? And obviously that will dictate what we shoot. There's a very subtle difference sometimes, but obviously we're going to be we're going to be shooting not for you if you're coming for updates we're not shooting for you you're we're shooting for the end game which is yeah. you guys the, the agency so and also exactly. which, which agency are we shooting for yeah because yeah, you, yeah, you all have you all have different sort of variations on the same theme which is yeah. fine but you know we have to make sure we know who, who who the client is at the end of the day so for parents it's quite important to relay that information to the photographer because they should have an idea of who they're shooting for and what the intention of the shot is um, Definitely. Like I say. think trusting is, is a huge part because obviously all parents want the best for their children and sometimes they'll they'll think that they know more than perhaps they do and it's about trusting the photographer. Um, mm. Obviously, you've made, you, you, you've put the trust in them to start with by booking them so then your job as a parent is to let them do their job 
um, and to try not to get involved. Um, mm. Obviously, there's no point, um, we see it all the time, standing behind the photographer when the photographer's trying to get that serious expression and telling them to smile and vice versa. There's no point doing that. Um, you need to just trust in the photographer and let and let them do their job and trust that they know what they're doing because they do. Um, as an agent, this is this varies between agencies as well. Um, do you have any sort of bugbears and things sort of, you know, any photographers listening who might want to, you know, shoot updates for some of your kids? Anything mm-hmm. you specifically don't like for your updates for, for the model card? Is some stuff you really don't want to see? I think um, I would say trying to get um, overly complicated with lighting in terms of... Um, like shadowing and things like that I've seen before um, just isn't necessary because, again, we need to see the child's face. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, obviously, we can we, we can use images alongside simple headshots that show other styles. Um, so that's, you know, that, that can be fine to some extent, but it depends on, obviously, again, on what, what sort of division they're on as to what sort of images we'll produce. So obviously for us, we'll always say to the parent, Um, make sure that you're aware of kind of your child's market as such. So they hopefully will know and we will explain to them what sort of work that we're putting them forward for and what what division they're part of. Um, Because obviously the difference between if someone's just on, let's say, our acting division, that's going to be very different to, say, a model that that generally gets a lot of editorial. So I think it's about making sure when the parent does go to a photographer that they're aware to let the photographer know, you know, who, who it is their child's with, what sort of work they're looking to do and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in terms of kind of things that, um, things that we can um, find difficult um, as a whole, as an agency, for me personally would be two major things. Number one is availability um, in terms of parents, often kind of thinking let's give this a go modeling it'll be a laugh it'll be a good crack um let's see what happens and they get a casting 24 hours before and they're shocked and surprised to hear they haven't had a week's notice um again we literally from day one from even i mean even on our applications page um even though it's closed at the moment we still have the details on there about the fact that castings are very short notice um and what to expect and the the way it works Um, and then literally from the time that they apply we make it very clear but we do still get believe it or not um, no matter how many times we drill it in parents that are shocked to find out that they need to go to a casting the following day Um, unfortunately it is just the way the industry works as a whole we get asked all the time why don't clients allow more time or surely they knew and you know all sorts of stuff like that and it's just just not the way it works unfortunately I mean we generally submit and no matter how far in advance we get a brief and we submit for nine times out of ten it will always be the day before that the client will come back so I think knowing knowing how it works again knowing the process and understanding that is really important Um, and also keeping your agency up to date because for us it's just a nightmare when we're submitting children for work Um, they either get a casting or they get a job we double check that they're still that high the parent double checks them and they've managed to grow five centimetres, even yeah. though they said they've, they've only just measured them last week. So that for us is a, is a real difficulty that we face on a daily basis. So just always keeping your agency up to date, to be honest, and just making sure that their photos are up to date, their measurements are up to date, their skills are up to date. You know, everything's up to date to ensure mm. that we can help give them the best possible chances for work. 
Yeah, absolutely. And you've, you've really gone into what I was looking to discuss next, actually, which is really great, which is the the realities of the industry. Um, we know we, we do it day to day, but obviously some people coming into it might think it's like you say, a bit of a laugh, bit of fun. And, yeah. it, and, it, and it really is. But there's also that aspect that it is a real job you know for everyone involved obviously if it, the child's working but obviously it, it, a lot of the responsibility falls on the parents um almost like you know almost like a secondary manager in a way because they're going to have to yeah. do so it's a, it's a lot of work a lot of hours and I, I, like you say nine times out of ten short notice long days um, yeah and it, and it and it is like that it's really difficult i mean for parents that work full-time um yeah. Uh, you know, sometimes I am in awe of our parents because I I don't know how some of them do it. I really don't. I mean, we've got we've got parents on our books um, that have got, believe it or not, we've got a family um, of seven. Um, wow. So we've we've got um, parents with big families, and they somehow manage to juggle it. Um, and they work full time, and you know, I don't know how they do it, and I'm in complete awe of them. Um, but they, you know, they do do it because the children really, really, really want to do it. So, you know, they do whatever they can. Um, but for some parents, it just isn't possible. And I think that's important to kind of be realistic mm-hmm. um, and to to kind of understand that in advance, that as much as your child might want to do it, if you're, uh, let's say you work full time in a job where you literally, there's no way that you could possibly ever get time off short notice, um, then realistically, is that going to be possible? Um, and if it's not, it's just, as I say, something that you, you have to be realistic about and accept because there's no point kind of joining an agency thinking we'll see how it goes um, because it's just, for us, it's just letting us down and then obviously it's letting it's letting the clients down. So it's not really fair on anybody. No, and it, and it just adds so much pressure to your life. Um, it does. Unnecessarily, yeah. you know. It, it's one of those harsh realities of life that sometimes everything isn't possible at this particular moment maybe one day it will be yeah exactly it's it's like anything it's like you, you know you have a child and they, they want to do dancing and they want to do karate and they want to do yeah. football and you, you just can't do it all and it's but, just how it is but for the parents that you know that that do do it you know sometimes i have no idea we i did a um a live with one of our parents recently who's got two boys that are with us um that do both modeling and acting and she she said literally they had a time where one evening they had three castings, two for one of the boys and one for another. She managed somehow to get to all three of them. And um, luckily she did because they both got one job each out of it. So they both ended up booking two of those jobs. Amazing. Um, But making it happen is, you know, is something else. And it, it takes a lot of hard work and it takes a lot of kind of pulling in favors when you've got other childcare and, things like that you've got the money spent on travel there's there's a lot involved i think sometimes initially people don't don't always consider no i know these these mums are heroes and it is my they I, are I, I don't need to, uh, yeah i do say i don't need to um disrespect yeah. the dads there are a few dads out there yeah. <laughs> that do it as well um but it is mostly yeah. mums i come across and they are uh, unreal in their commitment to how they get this they done are, definitely it's definitely crazy, but it? you know it it it, it reaps the rewards in the end mm. so you know, for those that do do it, it's so rewarding and it's so nice when we know that they've put in all that hard work yeah. um, for them to get something out of it, no matter what it is. Um, you know, for, for a parent to see to see their child in print or, you know, to see them on the TV and, and for the child themselves, you know, it's such a lovely thing that it makes all the hard work worthwhile for sure. 
Absolutely. Yeah, you're, you're quite right. I, I love seeing kids coming, uh, returning to the studio multiple times and seeing how they develop each time. It's great. You know, it's so rewarding. Yeah, yeah we ne- we literally, we never, we never get bored of it. Like I, whenever I'm out shopping, I love walking into stores and seeing our children in the windows or, yeah. you know, in the in-store oh. posters. I, we'll still always take, take those images and, and put them up on our socials and things like that. And it will never, it will never get boring. And it's, no. it's so nice not just for the parent, but for us to, again, to see our hard work as well, and not only for them, um, but for us, because so many times, obviously, things happen and we don't get to see those images. So it is, it is so lovely when we do get to see those things. Oh, that's lovely. It is wonderful. Um, I would like your opinion on um, collaborative shoots. Uh, obviously, mm-hmm. occasionally it happens that we all get enough time in the industry to do something for each other and <laughs> collaborate yeah. on something are you happy for your kids to do those kind of things where you, you know mums reach out to a photographer and they have the magical amount of time to do an editorial or something yeah. and put that together is that something you're okay with yeah definitely i mean for us yeah so first of all obviously um we we just make sure that we work alongside them because mm-hmm. obviously if it's going to be something where they're booked out for a certain day we need to know about it yeah. um i mean we have a system where the parent literally has a calendar for their child that they will book out any dates that they can't make. Um, And we always say to them, we we know we don't mind what it is, um, but just book it out if you're not available. So it doesn't necessarily have to be because you're on holiday. Mm -hmm. It might be that, you know, they've got a birthday party that day that they would not want to miss no matter what. You know, it's their best friend's birthday party. They do not want to be going to the casting on that day. That's absolutely fine. You know, we don't mind. We understand they have lives. So just make sure you book out because obviously what we don't want to do is submit them for a job that we know that actually they're not going to be available for in the first place. So just make sure, obviously, they'll they'll let us know so we can we can kind of book them out. Um, but for us, they're really helpful because obviously they're getting images out of those that are going to help them, hopefully, go on to get further work that we mm-hmm. can obviously use on site and on their model cards and use to advertise them more. Um, so it's it's you know it's a win win and also yeah. it's giving them studio experience um, or just experience as a whole. Um, that not only can obviously we then we can then add that to their file, but just for them to kind of keep in the loop of, of you know what it's like in front of the camera yeah. and to explore different things because obviously all shoots are different. So they might they might be used to doing only ecom shoots and then um, they're doing a collab where they're going to be working on location and doing something a bit different. So it's a whole new experience for them, which they will then be able to use going forward. Yeah. So it's it's a win win all round really. It's definitely it's definitely helpful for them. Um and likewise the whole networking thing because it might be that they'll do that with a photographer that le- then later on down the line that photographer might get booked on an advertising campaign and they might mm-hmm. think straight away, Okay, yeah, I know there's a child that would be perfect for this. So, you know, it's there's no harm in it whatsoever, I would no. say. Perfect. And there's a lesson there. Always be nice to your photographer. You never know. Definitely. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. I mean, always be nice to everybody, you know, because I, I, you know, I say this all the time. We've had situations um, where um, p- people have been remembered on set for various things and they, they have been rebooked going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, nobody knows who the photographer's assistant is. No. Um, and it could well become somebody, you know, that becomes very, very big in the industry. So, and, and down to every single person on set you know yeah i know you know that if if somebody hears down down the line somewhere or the other that there's been a model on set that kind of has been hard work or something like that that can impact massively um and it doesn't matter who that come from 
um, if that's come from somewhere, that's, you know, that's still out there as such. Yeah. So I think it's really important, and particularly for parents, um, just to always make sure that they're, they're keeping their, their children kind of in check, if you like, in terms of understanding what happens on a shoe and that um, they can't, you know, go around do, doing what they want, if you like, um, because, you know, what they're doing is having an impact not only on them, but on the parent and on the agency as a whole as well. So I think it's really important um, that the parents kind of teach their children as well about kind of what's expected of them whilst they're maybe mm. whilst they're in a studio for example and uh, they can't be running around because there is lots of lights and there are wires and things like that so I think all those sorts of things are really important as well and it's not just about great they've got a look let's get them in front of the camera and shoot them there's so much more to it than that yeah because there's, there's often more waiting around on sets than there is shooting oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and um, yeah lots of temptation to sort of jump around and do things and that's not to say like you know you're not going to have fun and exactly but there's obviously going to be a, a, a limit and um sometimes sitting still is the best way to make an impression i think yeah exactly this is the thing and and again going back to like as long as they're prepared there's nothing worse than someone doing their first show and um an agency has not let them know you know what tends to happen um or just you know give them some sort of rundown um so again it's something that that we need to kind of make sure that everybody knows, you know, there is a lot of waiting around. This can happen. We'll say to our parents, you know, in our, in our info pack to them, particularly for small children, you know, take along an iPad, some toys, some mm-hmm. snacks, mm-hmm. you know, try things that are going to keep them occupied. Obviously they're really, really fun when there's other children on set as well. Um, and there's like a green room where they can all hang out and then they're perfect, you know? Yeah. Um, but sometimes that isn't always the case. Sometimes it can just be one child and in between shots, they are waiting around. So it's just about kind of knowing what happens and being prepared for it. So, you know, as I say, taking along, taking along the iPad for when they're, when they're waiting around. So they're not waiting around bored and then that's going to impact when they get back on set that they've, they've been sitting there doing nothing and they've lost interest, you yeah. know? exactly that's really good advice it's really key advice as well because you know yeah it's one of those unknown things people people walk into it they don't, they don't know what to expect and that kind of no, thing is exactly. val- valuable advice really valuable. Yeah. thanks for that going on to something quickly what a boring subject licensing is mm. something i get asked about a lot yeah uh, <laughs> <laughs> i get i get often questions like it's my fault um you know why why are they Anyways, not why, why are they not, not yeah. why are they not allowed out of school and i'm like yeah. i don't quite i mean i'm learning but i don't quite know the chain of command in these things you hear different things i'm guessing it's done by county or something but just a quick praise here how do you how is how does licensing work yeah um, so, and who's responsible for it and who who can stop it and who can start it and all this kind of business so licensing is um like our height amongst the industry as a whole, to be honest, with any agency, I think we'll say the same. Um, it, it's just so fickle. It literally, I think the thing that's most frustrating for us as agencies um, is the fact that it changes all the time and the fact that it's a postcode lottery. So children are licensed by the council that they, they come under, so their local authority. Um, so um let's say where I am this will be London Borough of Bexley that they will come under so any child that lives lives there so it's normally where you pay your council tax basically so normally it's the agency that will apply for that sometimes we do have some clients that want to do it themselves and that's absolutely fine uh, what we would never do um, but I have heard this on occasion is some agencies getting the parents to do it so asking them to license their child yeah. and I have no idea why I 
why any agency would do that. Um, number one, because we obviously need to get them licensed. So the last thing we would do is put it into somebody's, somebody else's hands and kind of hope for the best. Um, so we always want to obviously carry that out ourselves so we know that, that we're doing it. Um, so we, we obviously have to apply to their council. So what we do is when the child first joins us, we try and get the paperwork in advance that we hold on file. Um, so things like we need a copy of their birth certificate, for instance. Um, some councils will accept what's called a part three, um, which is basically like an open-ended school letter, if you like, that's normally valid for six months. Um, so it basically says that the child may need time off. And if they do, would you allow this? Um, and if so, would you cap this at a certain amount of number of days or things like that? And then the the, count, um, the school would then sign that and then we would then keep that on file. And that just means we haven't got to keep asking them for specific permission for a specific date each and every time. Um, now, obviously, a lot of schools don't want to sign that because they're worried what the impact will be and that's fine um, and also some councils don't even accept that anyway they do want a specific request each time so we get what we can um, and then as and when a child is booked for a job we have to license them um, now the frustrating thing for us is that each council has their own slightly different way of doing things and asks for a certain amount of notice so we have some councils, we, we basically have a huge log um, on like an Excel document that lists every single council in the country um, and who, who we, we have to deal with, um, what, what their contact details are, what their turnaround is, how they like us to send that over to them. Some do have an online application, some we have to email, um, and some will take three days and some will take 10 days. So it... It's a very, very unfair process, and it's something that for years now, uh, myself and various other agencies have been campaigning to try and kind of get together and make it as uniform as we can. Um, unfortunately, today, it just has never become reality. So, unfortunately, when we do get a job come in, it will literally be a case of, uh, let's say Burberry will come to us and say, we're going to be shooting next Friday we will work out how many days we have to license and we can only then submit those children that are with the councils that will license within that amount of time. So if we have a child that matches the brief perfectly, but their council has said there is no way they will issue a license in under 10 working days notice, we cannot submit them because we wouldn't be able to get a license for them to work. Um, so that, you know, it's pointless submitting them because we, they can't legally work anyway. So that for us is, is the most frustrating thing um, within our industry. And as I say, it would just be a million times easier if every single council worked in the same way and had the same deadlines, because then everybody would know. So every client would know that if they want to book a child, it takes seven days to get a license and that would be it. Um, but I think all the time there are councils that will turn them around within three working days or, you know, more or less. Um, clients know that they can book short notice and, somehow and somewhere they will get the child that they need licensed and it, it, it's just very very frustrating for us it's very oh. much a postcode lottery yeah i mean that's really good i mean it's hard to explain that to people but that that's the reality of it, it it's is. a real shame I mean, yeah it's such a shame and sometimes obviously we'll have um, say for instance parents that are on our books and they've heard through the grapevine that there's you know this job's going on um 
and they'll call us and they'll say, I've heard that this company is shooting, you know, has my child been submitted? And we'll check and it will sometimes often be the case that we'll have to explain to them, although they fitted that brief, your council will not issue a license in time. I mean, mm. we've even had parents that have moved home wow, yeah. to come under a different council because their council has been such a nightmare um, that it's literally stopped their child getting work and they've wanted their child to work so much um, that it might have been that they're, they're already looking to move, but because they know that a neighbouring council is so much better, they've then focused on that area more than another. Wow. So yeah, it, it really, really impacts children um, within the industry as a whole. And as I say, I think all the while that, that the councils work in different ways, it's, nothing really is going to move forward. So, And it gets frustrating for us because some parents will say, um, oh, but I know that last time we applied for a licence, it come back within a day. Um, but, and this is where it gets really annoying, we know the same. We know that sometimes we'll, we'll apply for it and it will come back the next day. But we can't submit on that basis. So if the council has said to us beforehand, you have to give us five working days notice, even if when we do do that, they then send it back the next day, we can't therefore just give them 24 hours notice because they have done it before in 24 hours because no. they would reject the application in the first place. Yes. Um, so, yeah, there's a whole there's a whole load of kind of um, stuff that goes on behind the scenes of licensing. And I think complete, a lot of people are just completely unaware of. Mm. And it's, it is really, really, really frustrating. And a lot of people just don't understand licensing. I have so many clients that come mm. to us and say, we want to book a, job, a child for Friday. And I'll say, okay, do you, do you know that you need to legally license them? And they will not have a clue. No. And some, sometimes um, some people just won't mention it. Um, for us, it's always been something that we've always discussed with the client. But sometimes you might get an agency that maybe don't understand it themselves if they're, you know, a really small agency, or they may just kind of push it to the side and think, well, if the client doesn't mention it, I won't say anything. Mm -hmm. But there's, there's nothing worse than that because obviously the client needs to needs to know what's going on and they need to understand that actually without a license, you're not actually insured to have that child on set. Yeah, it, it, it's one of those really irritating, boring, paperworky kind of things, but sadly exactly. you have to adhere to it. And obviously... yeah. You're, you're right you can't submit a child to a client on the basis that something may happen you know you have to go by what the paperwork says and if the paperwork says five ten days and you know really you can't risk the client not getting what they book no exactly and then obviously if if we did do that that would just straight away come back on us and bite it straight in the bums because the client would immediately you know ask the question you know why have you submitted yes. that child if, if you can't get a license for yeah. them so there's just no point do you often find it's more a council problem than a school problem? Do you have many problems? Definitely. Yeah, you don't yeah. have many I mean, you do, have, you do have some schools that, that um, do refuse. Um, however, if they do, um, basically, legally, they cannot, they cannot simply refuse um, for no good reason. So they cannot, um, they cannot say that they don't agree with it um, as a whole. Um, the other thing they can't say, which I think a lot of people don't, don't realise, is they can't say... Um, if a child falls below, and it's normally always 95%, if a child falls below 95% attendance, we don't give permission. Um, so basically what they're not allowed to do is, is give like a blanket reason. So it has to be specific to the child. Mm -hmm. So for instance, you could have a child that's got 94% attendance, 
um, but is still top of their class. And then you could have another child that's 97%, but is really struggling. So the child has to be taken into consideration. So if the school refused on the basis uh, of like a blanket reason, then the council can actually overrule them. Right. As long as, obviously, the, there is a, a good reason. So if the school does actually say they are really struggling, um, they, they're getting, you know, bottom grades and they need there's a lot of improvement, then that is a reason specific to the child. So then in that case, the council will say, okay, well, that's fair enough and we can't issue a licence on that basis. Yes. Um, but if it's just a general, we don't agree with it or we don't want them to have time off, um, then as I say, the council can actually can overrule that and some you know some schools are lovely and they're supportive and they say you know we we think it's great and we have obviously um schools that put when the when the child does do modeling or acting they put it in their newsletters and you know they really support them and then obviously you get the other end of the spectrum that just don't really understand it i think and therefore don't agree with it so it it does vary but to be honest it's normally our our main issue is normally with the actual turnaround time with the councils more than anything else that's really good information that's great because obviously it means that every kid has to be assessed individually i mean obviously if they are having extensive time off um let's say a child is um filming a major feature film role um, then obviously they do have to have tutoring. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it normally the rule is roughly if they're having three working days um, within a week, then they have to be tutored. If it's just, um, let's say, a two-day job and then that's it, um, then normally they won't need to be tutored. But if, say, they're doing a feature film and they're going to be doing three days a week for a month, then obviously most definitely they would need to have private tutoring. So that's something that obviously we work along the side the production company to organise. Yeah, obviously you um, Which is great because obviously they get one-to-one. Yeah, so we'll sort that all out. I mean, we have um, we have chaperones and tutors on our book separately that we then organise to do that. So, you know, that's, that's then a good thing for the child because then obviously, yes, they are having time off, but then they're getting one-to-one tutoring, mm-hmm. um, which they wouldn't be getting anyway. So then sometimes they can, in fact, come out of it ahead of their peers because they've had that time you know with one-to-one perfect that's a win-win brilliant yeah okay um this uh lockdown um i'm kind of taking a quick survey of everyone because obviously i've got my own opinions on how this is all gonna um, affect the industry i work um quite, quite closely with all the unions and things in tv and film um what what are the challenges you're kind of facing now how are things changing during lockdown and what do you think um going forward how do you think things are going to change i mean there's a lot of discussion hopeful discussion amongst parents on forums and things which i you know i think is a a a bit optimistic um Mm. how how do you think things are going to change for the i mean looking towards next year i think we should possibly get back towards some kind of normal but for the rest of this year um how how are you seeing things moving forward i think um yeah i think what you've just said there i think there are definitely people being a more optimistic than than probably um they should be at this stage to be honest i think since the announcement on sunday i think a lot of people have um interpreted that as being something that it's not so i've already since then had so many clients calling and saying okay so we're organizing a shoot with social distancing in place um can i just check this and that and immediately my well the very first thing that i've explained is the councils are not issuing licenses until further notice and that hasn't changed Mm -hmm. even with social distancing in place um 
I spoke to one of the councils that's like um, the secretary of the National Network of Child Employment earlier, um, and they're kind of the the body for the councils, as it were. And they um, they straight away basically said the same that until it doesn't make any difference if a photographer is um, using social distancing until they are happy that children are allowed to mix with other people not just two meters apart um then they probably will not be issuing licenses until further notice wow that's a long, so, that, could a long that could be a long time when that will change yes now obviously that's not to say that 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 won't change in no. the near future because obviously like we all know things are changing with this constantly mm. um and also as she's expressed that that's their viewpoint but as i said before every council has their own way of working so yeah. if one council turned around and said no we are going to now issue licenses that's completely their call uh, they're not kind of governed by by them they can just kind of give them um recommendations if you like so yeah, you could get councils that do decide to start licensing and then obviously licenses can happen um in which case obviously it would be down to the agency to then ensure that the child safety is paramount so this is where obviously it then comes down to to kind of um common sense if you like and and obviously every shoot is going to differ um and as to when we get to that stage i don't think anybody really knows to be honest um obviously with with filming and things like that it just it gets more difficult i think photographic work um, it's slightly easier in that you could have one model in a studio with one photographer um, with a parent in the background, whereas obviously trying to shoot an advert is mm-hmm. a completely different ball game. Yeah. So <laughs> there's, yeah, there's a lot. I think there's still a long way to go, if I'm completely honest. Yes. Um, and I think clients are now starting to realise that perhaps shoots that they had planned coming up in the next few weeks or even next couple of months may not happen um, and they may have to change it up. So one of the things that has actually come about um, with us, and I've actually been speaking to a lot of clients about today, um, we've got obviously models that are on our books that might have parents that are photographers that can, for instance, shoot at home they might have a home studio where they can shoot their own child uh, that might fit a brief so that that's something that that's come about and we've had a few clients interested in that um but it's just i don't think it's going to be right or normal for a while and so for the time being i guess it's just trying to work out what what we can do for the clients and how we can make something work in the meantime and i think that's important that you know let us on the uh, client side of things worry about the work i see a lot Mm -hmm. of worry from parents that like they feel like they need to be active and they need to have their kids being shot and they need this and they need that and i'm you're kind of the mind that you don't you know we're not going to forget you exist (laughs) no exactly and everyone's in the same boat so nobody's you know nobody's going to resent you if you do you turn down a job because you're not comfortable with it no um you know that is absolutely fine particularly now um and it's as i say it's just about being sensible and not taking any risks because nobody wants to be in the position where you know later on down the line they say well actually i probably shouldn't have done that but I felt like I had to. Um, There's no point at this stage taking any risks. And I think we've come this far. We've just got to carry on as we are for now 
Um, and, you know, it, it might take a while, but at some point the industry will get back to, mm. to what we were. Um, and, and, you know, when it does, hopefully it will be stronger than ever because we've had this chance to, I mean, all the creatives out there having all this time in the world to you know, come up with some, the most amazing ideas I've ever had. Yeah. So hopefully when the industry does come back, that will be the time when, when they're more creative than ever because they've had all this time. But it's, you know, the time isn't now, but it, it will be soon. And it's just a case of, of sitting back and waiting. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, we are, we are thinking of ideas. I mean, I'm going to be casting for a couple of things straight after this is all over. You know, people yeah. are asking when it's going to be. I don't know, but like, don't worry, things aren't going to vanish. You know, we're all we've all exactly. got jobs coming. Um, yeah, this is think, the thing. And I think one last thing to just sort of maybe put into their heads is, if you're approached perhaps by someone right now to do a shoot, um, consult your agency uh, mm. because, especially now, I think it's it's, it's prudent to be cautious. Yeah, I mean, without a doubt, I would say, you know, regardless of, of the situation now, if you are signed to an agency and you do get approached direct for anything at all, always just check with your agency first. Yeah. Um, you don't want to upset them. It might be something that your agency isn't keen on you doing. It could be that you you might do something that you might think, that's fine. Um, you'll sign sign off a, a model release for it and then realise later down the line that that may then mean that, that child can't then work for certain competitors, for instance. Mm -hmm. So I think there's often lots of things that parents might not even consider at the time when they're approached. Um, and also, obviously, part of our job is to check who's reputable and who's not and who's genuine and who's not. Um, and sometimes parents can get um, a bit too excited when they get approached, um, not really do their research. Um, and I can understand why they do that, but it's just so important that we keep the children safe. So... Mm -hmm. If ever you get approached direct, it's always worth just checking in with your agency. Um, it might be that they then, you know, want to want to check things out a bit further or they may immediately, you know, know, oh, yeah, you know, that's fine. I know that photographer and I know they're doing that and that's not a problem. But there's there's certainly no harm in checking. But particularly at this time, um, I mean, there's, there's so many sort of dodgy things going around. Yeah. Um, and we get, we get um, kind of an insight into it I think more than anybody but mm. I would certainly say um to any parent just you know if ever you do get approached direct treat it with a lot of caution and often if something is does look to be too good to be true then more often than not it will be um so don't get kind of um too excited by the fact that somebody wants to work with your child um, and do your research and if you're ever in any doubt then it's probably for the right reasons and parents have probably the best gut instincts more than anybody so if if ever there's you know there's any doubt in your mind then then just think you know why why is that there in the first place you know it's, it's important to sort of represent who you want to be and not sort of just take anything you can get just to just because no it will it might it might be you know you might think it's good short term mm. but in the long term it could have a massive impact on that child in the future for, for other competitors and other brands. Yes. Um, it could literally talk you out of a major campaign. So short term, you might think, oh, you know, what's the harm? But it, long term, it, it can really, really affect them. So it's definitely worth, if, if you are with an agency, obviously speaking to them. Because normally, obviously, there's not, there's not that many reasons why somebody wouldn't go to an agency in the first place mm -hmm. um, and try and go direct. 
So, um, so just always check with them if, if ever you're in doubt. Yeah. Great advice. And I completely agree. Well, um, I've kept you long enough. Thank you so much for no coming problem. on and having a chat. It's been amazing. Um, cool. And I really look forward to working with you guys again in the future. Yeah, no worries. Thank, Thank you very, you very much, much, Nick. And no. hopefully I'll speak to you soon. Well, there you go, guys. I hope you enjoyed that. And as always, thank you for listening. We really appreciate your support. If you can subscribe, rate and review wherever you listen to your podcast, we'd be so grateful because it makes a huge difference. I'd like to quickly introduce a new project I'm working on with Callista, a model I work with regularly. She's created a new online magazine for kids called Mindful Smile with articles on how to be happy, healthy and eco, as well as some cool activities. So head over to mindful-smile.com or check their Instagram out at mindfulsmileuk. To check out my work, I'm on Insta at nick.dale. The show is there at The Merative. We'll be posting details of upcoming episodes and casting calls for the show on both accounts, so make sure you're following. Our website is nickdale.co.uk. You can email us on podcast at themerative.com. Our music today was I Got This by Tiger Run, licensed through audio.com. Thank you, guys, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>